Arizona's news station, KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. So we've had a lot of discussions about uh, the decision of the Phoenix City Council to impose uh, new fees, taxes, whatever word you want to use, on ride-sharing services to and from Phoenix Sky Harbor. Uh, we, or I, I'll speak for Pamela here for a second, have taken the point that we thought the Arizona Constitution is pretty clear. Uh, Prop 106 says that uh, cities cannot impose new taxes or fees. Full stop, period. Okay. Well, the city of Phoenix obviously feels different. They obviously do feel different, and they're, and they're making their legal argument now. Right. And I think it is an interesting legal argument. Ooh. Now, how much of a legal leg do they have to stand on? Well, I'm not a legal expert, Thanks. but I know somebody who is. Yes. KTAR's legal analyst, Monica Lindstrom. <sighs> I so, know her, too. You know her, too. She's joining us right now on our KTAR Newsmaker line. Good morning to you, Monica. Good morning. So we wanted to get your thoughts on this, because like Bruce said, it appeared to be pretty cut and dry. But the argument that the city of Phoenix and their attorneys are making pretty much is that rideshare companies have to pay access to airport facilities, just like a lot of other companies do at Sky Harbor. And therefore, they're allowed to charge a reasonable fee to use of their property. What do you see in this argument legally? Well, first of all, I hate the fact that they want to charge these upwards of $4 and eventually $5 fee each way. So I hate that. And I didn't like that they were imposing it. And I railed against it because I said, how can you think that this is okay? Well, we finally get the legal argument. And it's basically exactly what you said, Pamela. They are saying that, look, the airport is run like a private business. And the government is entitled to run businesses just like a normal person would. And a normal person would charge people for using its stuff. So they're saying, look, we charge restaurants for rent. We charge newspaper companies to put their newspaper racks inside there. We charge vendors to have anything inside the airport. So they're going through these lists of people that they charge. And they're basically saying, why can't we charge people who use our curbs and our road for commercial purposes? So they make a good argument in the sense that, look, we're not treating them any different than any other entities on airport property for commercial purposes. If you're using the airport to make money, then we should be allowed to charge you because we operate the airport like a private business. And that's a pretty good argument. I hate to say it, and I don't want to go back and say, darn it, they make a really good argument. But unfortunately, they do. Now, where I think the argument lacks a little bit is I pulled up the new fees that they're going to be charging because all of this was adjusted. And they're still charging rideshare companies more than they're charging of uh, taxis and other rideshare companies. Exactly. And, and that's where I don't understand their so, argument because they're saying we should be able to charge, you know, proportionately as they use the airport. And their numbers just don't match that argument. Well, I, I have a fundamental argument uh, also. Could, could put me on the jury, please. That a restaurant inside the the airport in Terminal 4 selling burgers is the same as a car pulling up to the curb. That those are inherently businesses that you have to pay for the privilege because I don't understand. I understand that the real estate space 
inside the airport has value. They don't charge me, the Bruber, half Bruce, half Uber, to drop Pamela off at the curb. My usage of the curb is fine. What's the difference between an Uber or a Lyft pulling up to the curb? How is the airport harmed in any way, shape, or form? What what is their cost? Yeah, it's not that they're harmed at all. It's that they're finding a way to benefit from another company making money off of something the airport owns, right? So they're saying... If you're bringing people here and you're making money from it, we should get a share of that. It's kind of like, um, Pamela, you were talking about the service industry the other day and how servers have to tip out the bartenders and the busters and everybody that aren't actually a part of the serving. The same kind of thing. The airport says, look, server, if you're making money off this, you have to tip us out for it. And the way they get around the tax argument, because we were saying, well, this is a tax. They say, look, a tax is imposed. Yep. You have no way around it. This trans- this transaction fee, you voluntarily agreed to do it when you agree to come to the airport. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that that's an interesting argument that they're making hmm. there as well, Monica. Again, we've got KTAR legal analyst Monica Lindstrom joining us right now to talk about what the attorney representing the city of Phoenix in this legal argument over fee increases to Sky Harbor through ride share companies, um, the argument that they're making. And that I, I think that that's another interesting legal argument when it is you don't have to serve Phoenix Sky Harbor. But if you choose to serve Phoenix Sky Harbor, there's going to be a fee. So we're not imposing a fee on you. You're choosing to use the airport. And if you choose to use the airport, then there's going to be a fee. Because imposing fees, I'm interpreting this, Monica, and correct me if I'm wrong, would be if every ride that Uber and Lyft were to conduct had that $4 fee in the city of Phoenix. Am I reading that right? Right. They're saying that the fee is not transaction-based because it's not on every single ride that Uber and Lyft do. It's only on those rides to the airport, which you voluntarily agree. So it's not transaction-based because it's not on every transaction. And it's not a tax because we're not forcing you to do that. When you ask for a permit to come to the airport, you agreed to pay that fee. It's just that the airport hasn't charged Uber and Lyft any fees yet. And they finally decided to go ahead and take up that con or that provision in the contract and say, okay, now we're going to start charging you. Well, now, they, they did have a fee for, let's see if I got it right. It was for pickup only, not for drop-off. Does that sound right? There was, there was a yeah. fee previously. How then, and, and again, mm-hmm. let, let, you know, put me on the jury, please, that... How did you come up with and how does the city of Phoenix justify raising the fee? I would argue completely arbitrarily from it was like a buck 75 to four dollars and then imposing one on the on the other side of the trip of four dollars while lowering the taxi fee. So why? Again, if the argument is you're using the curb, aren't they all using the curb kind of the same? Yeah, and I would argue that, too, because that doesn't make sense to me. Starting February 1st, 2020, the pickup and drop-off fees for the rideshare companies are $4, right. where it literally has its own line on, on the scale. And then cars that are one to eight seats only have $1.75. If they have up to 23 seats, it's only two twenty-five. So like these buses, these shuttle buses. Yeah, yeah, but don't they take up more room on the curb? 
don't they use like more weight on the mm. road or something? So that's where I find it very difficult to understand. Now you say arbitrary mm-hmm. that the airport comes also. back. The airport comes back and says, "Hey, look, we studied airports across the country to determine what other prices." the airports were charging, and this is how we came up with these fees. Again, I'm not convinced. I think if um, the, the the rent per square foot inside the airport should be the same for every restaurant that's inside the airport, right? Mm-hmm. So the fee for every vehicle using a curb should be the same. So I, I disagree with them on that, and I agree with you on that, Bruce. Yay. But basically... The lawyer makes a really good argument, and darn it, I hate to admit it, but it's a good argument. I got one last question for you. Again, we've got KTAR legal analyst Monica Lindstrom with us right now. In your legal opinion, will the state attorney general, Mark Burnovich, side with the city of Phoenix or side with the complaint filed to reverse this fee? Legally speaking, I think he's going to have to side with the city and the airport because they have a lot of really good legal bases, unfortunately. <laughs> there you go. Thank Breaking you very my much. Heart. Thank you very much. Monica Lindstrom, KTAR legal analyst, as this uh, debate keeps going. I, listen, he needs to go to a court. How's that? I, I, and if, if I lose in court, I lose in court. But I don't like the idea uh, still of the of the airport being able to wave a magic wand and do this without some oversight. Um, is the royal family splitting up? And by royal, I, 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 I mean the British royals. There is some uh, cracks in the veneer, if you will. The good China, not looking like it used to. And we'll never be royal. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Okay, so I um, I will acknowledge I am not a royals watcher. I don't get up at 2 in the morning to watch uh, weddings of uh, the royal family or whatever. But it is kind of interesting that there appears to be a bit of a, a split. There, there's some controversy, Pamela, when it comes to the royal family, and blame the Americans. Oh, yeah. I'd always blame the Americans. (laughs) Um, On January 8th, which was actually known as Divorce Day. Really? Yes. We got a statement from the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Otherwise, Meghan Markle and her husband. Okay. You just let that pass. Yeah. This is the prince. Harry. Oh, you Meghan. see again that okay, yeah. Prince Harry and <laughs> Princess Meghan. Right. Anyway, or Meghan Markle and her husband. Um, they said, <laughs> we intend to step back as senior members of the royal family and work to become financially independent while continuing to support Her Majesty the Queen. We now made plans to balance our time between the United Kingdom and North America, continuing to honor our duty to the Queen, the Commonwealth and everyone else. Pretty much. So, wait, wait, okay. Are they are they? They're quitting the royal family? Can you do that? They're stepping back. Whatever. In other words, divorcing. And I just offer you this. I'm ready. After Christmas, who doesn't want to divorce a member of their family? Do you think Christmas dinner went that bad at uh, Buckingham Palace? We're like, we are out. You know what? I'm not arguing with that lunatic over there anymore. I love my family dearly, and so I'm not into the whole divorcing them, but I know that there are some of you out there right now that are nodding <laughs> yeah. along going, yeah, you know what? Where do I sign Christmas, up? Christmas, not what I thought it was going to be, and I'm sick and tired of having to put up with this, that, or the other one. It's kind of a weird time. You know, you, you have your family that, that is all coming together, and maybe sure. they still view you as that child that you were uh, at 17, 18 when you left You have you to sit at the little table in the corner. It's kind of claustrophobic over Christmas, <laughs> run up, you know, old family traditions, all these things. And so 
You may even be like, oh, you know what? I just need a break. But things are a little different when you are within the royal family. I'm I guessing mean, it is. You think about Meghan Markle, again, the, Ameri- the American who is you know breaking up the royal family, so to speak. Uh, you're married. You have a kid. Yeah. She's like 35. Okay. You spend Christmas away from your family. You know, you're an ocean away. It's different from the stuff you do every year. And you just don't want to do another family Christmas like that. Yeah, and so and part of it is they, they you know, they're going to move back to this side of the, the well. The they're going to split time, right? Yeah, they're looking to split time, and, and look, listen, we're coastal. I've I've been following the story because yeah. I just I think it's fascinating that you know the princess stole the prince. Pretty much is what this Ouch. is coming to. Um, and they are I, blaming the American on this, of course. Why wouldn't well, you? She's I new, like her. She's the new piece in the What's in the changed? puzzle. What's changed? What's changed? Meghan Markle showed up, and all of a sudden, Prince Harry's like, I'm out now. Like full disclosure, I think she's awesome. But I will follow what's going on here. And there's a lot of palace intrigue in the back and forth of which we don't need to get into. But I I think that just overall, in general, Uh um, she's put up with a lot of crap. Now, on Uh the flip side, you could say you married a prince. You're going to become a royal. Like you got to know that this is coming with the territory here. Didn't you you know what the job was? Cry me a river, will you? But I think it's just showing how... Like tradition, just in general, is changing. But I would also, and what little I know about the royal family, I think I understand this. Um, there is zero, ch- one tenth of one percent chance of Harry ever becoming king. Oh right, yeah. Like you, so, so the reality is, you know, he was always remember there was the heir and the spare. He's the spare. So the <laughs> what? don't call it the spare. The heir oh, and the my spare. Gosh, so, hey spare, what's up? But, and what's since up? the other one, whose name I forgot, has already had kids. Like there's no chance, William. Thank you. There's no chance. So it is. It is a. Yeah, you go to shopping malls and you you cut ribbons and you you shake hands and kiss babies. Like there isn't any real job to it, right? Well, but but there is when you're part of the royal family really? and the, the queen none too happy Ooh. with them. But you also got to keep in mind that like Megan be, beyond knowing, you know, I don't think you can ever know what you're signing up for when you become a royal. I mean, okay. you, you think you know, but you, you don't, don't know. know right? You don't know. You, don't you know. think you do. You don't know. And the tabloids have just been beating her up left and right and beating the family up and and her particularly. And I mean, you know, her husband stepping in going, no, this is not okay. You know, I need to protect my wife. I need to protect my kid. Um, We're going to we're going to be, you know, splitting our time between the multitude of countries of which here's the other thing. I'm ready. The countries have to agree upon that. What do you mean? Well, I mean, you think about if they're going to split their time between North America because it can be Canada. She's Canada. Yeah. Because, well, and Canada's like the queen's the queen of Canada, too. And, and then you also have, you know, they'll be coming down to North America and down to the United States a little bit as well. But if you're going to be living here, the, there are like security <laughs> situations you've got to like take a look at here to to be housing Meghan Markle and her husband. (laughs) I know. I love that. Wow. Hey, you know what? Legendary singer Tony Bennett returns to Phoenix for his 2020 tour at Celebrity Theater on April 16th. Tickets go on sale today. They did about 20 minutes ago. You can still win a pair of tickets, though, by heading on over to the rewards page at KTAR.com. There appears to be new videos, plural, that show the moment. That that Ukrainian plane was shot down just after taking off from Tehran, Iran. 
And Iran still is claiming they had nothing to do with it. We're going to talk about that. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station. KTAR News on 92.3 FM. Get some perspective. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. You know, the evidence seems pretty clear, Pamela, that, and I, I will say this, I, I believe by accident, Iran shot down a passenger plane that had just taken off out of Tehran in the midst of this uh, strike on American air bases. I think it was by accident. I, I, I can't figure out a, a scenario in which doing it on purpose makes sense. But we now have video because, you know, you made the point. You don't believe in coincidences, mm-hmm. right? Pamela does not believe it. I, I tend to. But even I was like, hmm, that the airliner going down originally because of a mechanical incident right in the middle of this attack hours. seemed hours within hours, after, right? Yeah. Seemed suspicious. And now it seems like there's evidence that your suspicions are justified. Yeah, we're, t- we're talking about it, the, the plane crash, the 737 out of Tehran that was going to the Ukraine crash, killing everybody on board. Yes. There's now that video. Uh, you know what? Here's what that video appears to show. Taken from a neighborhood where the Ukrainian jet was last tracked, the video appearing to confirm what a U.S. source tells ABC News, that intelligence sources are confident an Iranian anti-aircraft missile hit that jetliner, the jet in flames breaking apart, and exploding three miles away. The power of that ground impact captured by a CCTV camera and shown on Iranian media. Now, to be clear, you know, it's it's nighttime, right? And you got somebody with a f- cell phone pointing at the sky. It shows a flash, then a loud bang. The plane continued to fly, turned back in the direction of the airport, and then crashed into the ground. And then there's another video showing... An object in the sky. Again, I can't tell. It's a mile away. Well, you come miles away. With flames trailing out of it as it kind of spirals down. It seems to all paint a picture. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we're not at war with Iran, but there was a lot of fear that that's where it would go. And is this the fog of war, so to speak? Was that mistake made? That's what it appears to be for me. Now, mm-hmm. Iran has invited the NTSB to to come and investigate, which because of the sanctions we have in Iran, it makes it kind of difficult for them to go. But even if they were to go, Bruce, there have been some developments in Iran that would make it even difficult for our NTSB to figure out what truly happened. Less than 24 hours later, the wreckage has been cleared. The evidence gone. It is that evidence in the black boxes, which the Iranians have, that should confirm whether this was a shootdown. Okay, so if you, I know you follow plane crashes and you've got these like weird I fascinations do. of different topics like serial I'm killers. Fascinated. But by one of the things that you know and what I heard experts talk about when you have a plane crash, especially of this magnitude, yeah. you don't touch anything. That is a crime scene yeah. that you preserve, and that's what you're going to comb through to try to figure out what happened. the The idea that the Iranians have moved everything yes and then have invited people to come in and take a look at it just is so suspicious well, because where the remains of the aircraft are are relevant to determining what happened what section was found where you, you see what i'm saying like there's a lot you can tell from forensically looking at it there's also something else um there were initial pictures of aircraft fuselage Uh, some of the bigger chunks of the plane, the outside of the plane still, that appeared to show um, pockmarks or holes in them. 
Like, like if you took a, a big shotgun and shot it at, a, at, a, at an aluminum airplane, you'd have holes. With the argument being from some of the experts, well, what happened outside the plane to cause holes to go into the plane? That would lead you to believe an explosion outside the aircraft penetrated the fuselage as opposed to if you had blast marks going outward where you'd say, oh, maybe there was a bomb on board, which we've seen before, and you have debris going out. So there appears to be a hell of a lot of evidence that they did this by accident. Don't you think they'd be smarter just to admit we made a stupid mistake? A it's horrible, Iran. tragic mistake. I, I mean, Iran, I, I don't think that they're going to really admit to anything. And they're even saying, hey, you know what? United States, you're claiming we did this. Show us your evidence. Show us your ev- what evidence do you uh, have? There's now, kind of one of the tricks, here's right? Here's the thing. Apparently, we we have some evidence. And that evidence is going to come through satellite imagery, through some radar technology that we have, none of which the United States is prepared to share not. with Iran. No. So pretty much Iran is going, we're going to ask you for the evidence. No, wink, you wink, can't nudge, share nudge. it. Okay, we're going to ask them for it anyway, because it's going to put them in a really difficult... Hey, you got evidence? Show it to us. Because there will be people out there going, well, if you can't produce the evidence, then it didn't happen. They can't produce that that, that evidence. According to, again, uh, sources inside the U.S. government, our satellites picked up the launch of missiles, the flash, and then an impact with an object in the area of the airplane. Take that for what it's worth. Here's here's where I think that this is a good example of what could become a bigger problem. Ooh. We talk about messaging and miscalculation. Yes. Right now, things have de-escalated between these two countries. And we both know that we're not out of the woods. The United States isn't out of the woods and Iran isn't out of the woods. Everyone yeah. is just kind of buying more time and seeing what the other, other side does. Mm-hmm. Now... You and I both believe that Iran shot this plane down, yes. and they did it by accident. Yeah. Fast forward, and let, let's say that this situation happened a week from now, and there were Americans on board. See? This is where the escalation of tension between these two countries becomes real, because if there is something else that may have no ties whatsoever to what's going on between these two countries, but could be interpreted, but as such. Could yeah. be miscalculated and interpreted to be so, it could lead us down a very dangerous path. You know, there are other instances of this. We had the Malaysian airliner shot down by the Russians over Ukraine, where there were military aircraft in the in the area, and apparently because they don't know what the hell they're doing, they shot at the military aircraft, took down a passenger plane. The one this reminded me of, and because it's Iran, we the United States, apparently accidentally shot down an Iranian airliner over the Persian Gulf thinking it was... When was this? 1988. Oh, that's why I don't remember it. Okay. Uh, 290 people on board. The USS Vincennes, a missile cruiser, was, I, used, I think they used the term, engaged with some boats, Iranian boats that were shooting at it. And on the screen... They believe an aircraft is coming towards them. They fire a missile and blow it out of the sky. The fog of war, a miscalculation, and what it could lead to. That was a mistake. That was an error. I think this one as well. But you can see how 
you view it through a different prism. Right, and exactly. And while de-escalation has happened, and I'm so thankful for that, we have to be careful of the miscalculation with other things that are that could be calculated that way or seen that way. I see movies, except for the scary ones, and my favorite movie of the year, my number one, opens today. Woo! Everywhere. Make your plans. I would just tell you that. We're talking about movies. Coming up next on Arizona's News Station. KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Bruce St. James and Pamela Hughes. Movies in a minute. Brought to you by Peoria Ford. Ready to serve at 91st Avenue and Bell Road. If you bought anywhere but Peoria Ford, you paid too much. I see movies except for the scary ones, so you don't have to. Now... As part of my duties. Pamela, I don't know if this has come up before. I'm oh a member of the gosh. Phoenix Film Critics yeah, Society. Too much. Phoenix Critics Thanks. Circle. And part of my duties is to see movies. And sometimes I get to see them way in advance. I, I saw this movie six weeks ago, maybe? Early December, I want to say. Um, the reason why is, uh, and I'm glad I did, I think they knew how good a movie they had. I think they knew, and they wanted critics to see it ahead of time. So it would get nominations, et cetera, you know, for the big, big year-end awards. It opens in Phoenix today. It is epic in so many different ways. It's just simply called 1917. You have a brother in the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. That's Colin Firth, if you can't figure out his name in here, Benedict Cumberbatch in here. But they're not the stars. They're not the stars. It's, uh, it's two young men, uh, people that I would argue maybe you're not very aware of, and that's fine. You heard the premise. The commander tells them, our communication lines have been cut. You are going to have to, on foot, basically cross no man's land and get to this to save the lives of these men. By the way, one of them is your brother. So it's got a little bit of the Saving Private Ryan vibe to it. Mm-hmm. Remember, yeah, remember totally, that whole thing? Totally. Yeah. It is so much more than that. This, this movie um, is so visceral. Now, it is violent. It's World War One. Is it Saving Trench Private Ryan? Warfare. This the is, opening scenes? Yes. Mm. For a lot. Mm. It is tension-filled. It is heartbreaking. It is heartwarming. It has a full roller coaster of emotions. And the way it looks, it's really unique because it has uh, the director, uh, Mendez, does these long shots with no edit. You know, where like there's a camera in the face of the, of the actors and they're going through the trenches and running across the field. And, there's things, and, the, and the camera's like right in front of them the whole time. It's not like a bunch of edit, edit, edits. And it feels very personal. You, you, you feel like you're up in their space almost. So it looks amazing on the big screen. And the story in and of itself is phenomenal. This was my number one movie of the year. My this number was. one movie of the year of 2019. So you know how, does, coming out. But how does that work? How do you have the number one movie of 2019 get nominated for Oscars, but it's only opening today, which so last the, time I checked is 2020. The rule is it has to play for one week in New York and Los Angeles to qualify for that year's Oscars. And, and so that happened in like December? In the last okay. week of December. I did not know that. That's probably one of the most useful oh. nuggets of film that you've given me really? in all these years that we've That's talked about. That's what you've taken from this. <laughs> it has to play this. for one week in New York and LA to qualify for the Oscars okay. in that calendar year. So I think this is part of their marketing ploy, by the way. Again, because I just think this movie is 
uh, it's amazing. I mean, there's just I mean, I I walked away from it saying I I, I saw something special. So you're that was give something it, what, special. A, a one star? Is that what it is? I can't even give it more than five stars. <laughs> Where's the sixth star? Uh, you'd give it one? Five plus, Five you know? Plus. Um, but again, 1917 is the name of the movie. It opens today. Uh, I did have somebody ask me, they go, you know, I have kids. They're in, I, uh, this isn't about language. This is violence. This, is, this shows the, the, the horrors that are war. Um, but it also shows some of the amazing things that come out of it. Do you see what I'm saying? It really tells a great story. 1917. I couldn't encourage you Kinda to see it, it enough. Yeah. <laughs> Did I get that? Yeah. Another movie opening up today. It's got some uh, A-list actors in it. How about Michael B. Jordan, Jamie Foxx, Brie Larson? Uh. It's called Just Mercy. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm going to do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You only know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God, Mr. McMillan, we're done here. Mr. McMillan, please. So Jamie Foxx plays uh, a, a man who is wrongfully convicted and spends forever in jail. Michael B. Jordan comes along, takes the case. Up. You've heard about it. It's based on a true story. Takes the case up and uh, tries to exonerate a man who has spent his, basically his whole life in jail for a crime that he didn't commit. So while the story in and of itself, I've kind of seen movies like that. I've heard the, things like that. Um, it's well done. It's well done. It's well acted as well. And it's one of those those movies where it makes you angry. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you see you a movie something. like that and, and, and that's the sign of a good movie. It yeah. makes you feel something. Just Mercy on the one to five scale. I gave it four stars. Excellent. All right. Hey, you know what? Barrett Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auction, returns to Westworld of Scottsdale Saturday through January 19th. We're giving you the chance to win tickets and your shot at a pair of VIP passes. Yeah, enter. Just head on over to the rewards page, ktar.com. We have a check of the headlines, and then we're going to come right back. If you're looking to ride one of those e-scooters around downtown Phoenix, you might have to search a little harder than usual. That's because a couple of the companies came and picked them all up. What's going on? We'll give you the latest coming up next on Arizona's News Station.